You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, welcome. My name's Sam. I'm one of the teaching pastors here um, at Kensington, and I have the privilege of speaking week three of the series that we're in. And so uh, I don't know if you know this, but for the past couple of weeks, every campus, Kensington has six different campuses, every campus did their own standalone series. And so the campus got to plan it and talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. I don't know if you knew this, but typically on a Sunday morning, all six campuses are talking about the same thing. And we have the same series, the same graphics, the same videos. And so if you were to pop over from like CT over to Lake Orion or over to Troy, it would be basically the same content with just kind of a little different spin. But the last couple of weeks, this series has been exclusively CT. And so Shauna launched the series with this idea of community and talking about connectivity and how we need to be connected to one another. And then Tracy, let's hear it for Tracy. <laughs> CT's very own Tracy Hankel. Uh, she's absolutely incredible. She shared last week about the desires of our heart, right? And how the closer we get to God, the desires of our heart sort of shift. And she encouraged us to join serve teams and to serve out of the desires of our heart and to bring what we have uh, to the body of Christ. And so today, I get to continue this same idea of community, right? Shauna talked about community and connectivity, and Tracy shared about community and serving. This morning, I want to talk about community and discipleship. I want to talk about community and discipleship, but the, the main sort of gist is, of it is that discipleship begins with an invitation. Discipleship begins with an invitation. So I'm gonna pray before we jump in because here's what I wanna do. I want us to take, take a few moments and to just sort of focus our hearts, posture our hearts to receive from God this morning. I want us to sort of quiet and silence the noise of work and of family and all the stresses of all the things that are happening in our lives. And I want us to just make ourselves available to hear from God. Make ourselves available, kind of quiet our spirits and posture our hearts to say, God, we're here. We've designated some time on this Sunday morning. Yeah, we slept in first. It's cool. He's cool with it. But we're posturing ourselves to receive from you this morning. So let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the freedom, the opportunity that we have to come together and to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. God, I thank you for the, the, the talented, gifted individuals who led us in worship this morning of praise and adoration of who you are in response to your greatness. And God, this morning, as we set aside this time to receive from you, I pray that you would soften our hearts. I pray you'd open our minds. I pray that we'd be able to lay any baggage or distractions down at your feet and make ourselves fully available to hear and receive from you today. God, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So before we jump in, listen, I do want to take a moment. We do this every Sunday at all the campuses, and we just pause and we thank those of you who have continued to partner with us through your generosity. We like to take time in every service and just honor you and say thank you for your partnership on mission and in our vision and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Everything that Kensington does is only made possible because of your continued support and generosity. And so if you'd like to join us this morning, there's ways to do that on the screen. You can text to give, you can give in the Kensington app, you can give online, or there's boxes in the back. And I love this, man. CT passes the magic bags. I want y'all to know no other campus has the magic bags. It's the kind of thing where you can put your offering in and maybe pull out a rabbit. You never know. Like, you don't know what could happen. Wave your hand over it and it multiplies. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. We're, but we do like to take an opportunity and just pause and thank you guys, honestly, seriously, because all the stuff that happens even here on campus, like the fact that the whole wing in the back of this building 
is full of kids that are getting loved on and getting solid Bible teaching and growing to find joy in Jesus and in community and, and learning to love God. I mean, that's so special. And then the things that we do through our Move Out network and then our global partners and all that, all the things that Kensington is able to be a part of is because of your generosity. And so we just, we thank you guys. We really, really appreciate it. It's, it's really awesome. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that. So boom, there it is. And you get to hold a magic bag. So that's cool. Now, I remember growing up, so I grew up, um, I've said this before here, I grew up on the east side of Detroit, I grew up at Seven Mile and Kelly on Novara Street, and when I was growing up, it was probably like, I'm thinking like the time period of the late 90s, like 95 to 99, something like that. I think every adolescent boy in the whole state of Michigan, especially Metro Detroit, played roller hockey, right? Am I right? Anybody in here play roller hockey as a kid? Yeah, oh my gosh. Like, none of you? Oh, let me give you, all right, I forgot. It's the 11 o'clock. I got to ask twice. Okay, hold on. All right, now you know what I'm going to ask, so get ready. Okay, 9 o'clock, I was like, anybody play roller hockey? Like, yep, I did. Mm -hmm, yep, I was the goalie. Mm -hmm, yeah. That's the 9 o'clock folks, right? I'm like, anybody play? They're like, what did he, did he say, did he say, what did he say? Ice cream sandwiches? What? How many of y'all played roller hockey as a kid, adolescent? Okay, still not very many. Okay, that's fine. I guess you guys are reading books or something. I don't know. I was playing roller hockey. And, uh, but when I grew up, I was living in Detroit. Uh, my, my parameters of my life were crazy. I wasn't allowed. So we had our driveway at our house. And then we had Miss Irene's driveway next door. And those were the parameters of my life. I couldn't go past Miss Irene's driveway or my driveway. I wasn't very good at riding a bike, okay? Because it was like, ride, 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 turn around. Ride, 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 turn around. Ride, 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 turn around. Ride, ride. I was like, this is lame. Who would ever want to do this, right? But I, I grew up playing roller hockey. And so I'd play roller hockey in my like 18 square feet, me and my little brother. And um, I remember we finally, we moved from there to Harper Woods. And when we moved into Harper Woods, I think it was probably the second day we moved in, my brother and I were playing with the hockey ball. How many of you guys remember the hockey ball, right? Like the little fluorescent orange or fluorescent yellow ball that you play with, right? And um, we're, we're playing, we're passing it back and forth. And I remember a kid rode up on his bike and stopped, and he was like, you guys play hockey? And me and my brother were like, I mean, we're kind of like the best we've ever met. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> kind of a big deal. We're not from this neighborhood, but you'll know us, right? And so we're, we're, he's like, hey, do you guys want to go to the blacktop and play hockey? And we're like, the blacktop? What is this magical world called the blacktop, right? Because remember, all we knew was driveway to driveway. And so Come to find out the blacktop was a parking lot about eight houses away down at the corner. And so when this guy stops and invites me and my brother to come play hockey, you don't understand the joy that was bubbling inside of me. I knew my mom would say no, right? Because it was more than a driveway away. But I, when he invited me, when he asked me to come, I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, well, let me go ask my mom. I mean, I'm sure she'll say, yeah, she lets me go anywhere. Let me go ask. And so I'm like walking in. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I asked my mom. She did say yes. We went down to the blacktop and we played hot roller hockey with like 15, 20 kids. I didn't know that many kids existed. Much less played roller hockey. And evidently none of them go to this church at 11 o'clock. <laughs> evidently not. But anyway, I remember that was the first time that I can remember that I was invited to something. I was invited to join other people doing something. And it was like, I, I could, I, my knees are getting tingles in them right now because I remember exactly what that felt like. It was like, whoa, 
what? I also remember the first time that I was ever invited to go to the movies with my friends without my parents. How many of you remember that? Okay, or were you too super saved for movies too? Is that what's going on here? Okay. But I remember I got invited to go to the movies with my friends. It was a half day. I was probably, I don't know, seventh, seventh grade maybe. There, it's when there was still a movie theater in Eastland Mall. Back when there used to be an Eastland Mall, right? And so there's a movie theater in Eastland Mall. It was a half day, and we were going to go see the movie Titanic. Yeah, guys, this is circa. Why did you guys mo- I mean, that's a good, come on. It's a classic. Near, far, wherever you are, right? And so we're going to go see the movie Titanic. This is like circa 1997, okay? I remember being invited to that thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a full-blown adult. This is the most amazing thing. I can go to the movies and pay with my own money that my parents gave me, but I get to give it to them, <laughs> right? Like it was a huge thing. It was a big deal. And I remember going and, and <laughs> this was easier to say first ever because my wife wasn't sitting over here. But I remember that was probably the first time that I ever held a girl's hand that wasn't my mom or sister. Right? I mean, you guys know the drill. It was, I mean, the first time at the movie, so I'm sitting in the movies, and like I'm sitting here, and the girl is sitting next to me, and I start off with my, like, my hands on my lap watching Titanic, and all of a sudden I'm like, <sighs> right? You guys know the move. Now my hands are on the armrest. I'm way closer to her hands. And then, so then I notice she's like, <sighs> and puts her hand on the armrest. I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere, right? And so, so here's our hands. And then I start doing this deal. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I start doing this deal. And finally I like touch her pinky and I'm like, oh my God, I touched her pinky. You know? And then I like kind of get enough nerve to like link just the smallest amount of her pinky. And if she goes like this, then it's like, all right, fine, my bad, you know? But then, oh, oh, it's reciprocated, okay. And so then slowly, you know, and then it kind of, I know this is weird, but you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And then finally we end up like this, right? And like I'm holding hands for the first time in a movie. Do you guys remember what movie I went and saw? I had some of the most awkward moments of my life in that three-hour span. <laughs> holding hands for the first time. Oof, it was, it was rough. But anyway, I remember the feeling of being invited. Invited to go to the movies with my friends. They cared about me enough. It was like most of the people in our grade. They cared about, they saw me. They cared about me enough to invite me to come hang out and to come have fun, and to go do something with them. That feeling was amazing. And it's not just like when we're kids either. Even now, when we get invited to things, it feels good. It feels awesome. My wife and I were invited to go to the UP like two weekends ago. They do this thing called the dog sled races up there. Any of you guys ever heard of that in Marquette? It's a, I had never heard, that's amazing. So I guess it's like the time trial qualifiers for the Iditarod or whatever, however you say it. The dog sled thing in Alaska, right? And so they do it in Marquette. In Michigan. Did you guys know that? It's incredible. I lived here my whole life, never even heard of it. So uh, we got invited to go to that. And so my wife and I went, and we got invited by uh, Stevie T, BD Stevie T. Do you guys know him? Stephen Tomzik is his actual name. He's the student ministries director here. Anybody know who that is? I mean, can we get a, give it up for Stevie T? He is the absolute man. He's back there right now loving on our middle schoolers and pointing them towards Jesus. Well, Steve invited my wife and I to go. And I remember getting the invitation. He invited us back in the summer. And I don't think that he actually thought we would come. It might have been just like a kindness invite. But we were like, yeah, we're in. But it felt so good to like be invited to something like that, to hang out and to feel like, man, somebody wants to spend time with me. Someone wants to hang out with me. I mean, think through it for just a second in your life. Think through it. Think of 
you getting invited to things. How good does that feel? When you get invited to a birthday party or you get invited to like uh, a girls weekend, right? And it's like, hey, we're all gonna go out and hang out, just the girls, screw the guys, whatever, right? Like you get invited to a girls weekend, you're like, yeah, yeah. And you get excited and you get pumped up about it. Or if you get invited, you know, to a hangout at work or a subcommittee or a team at work and they're like, I validate, it's like this validation that we feel. Man, yeah, you work hard. You'd be a valuable asset to this team. We want you to join us. Or we get invited over to someone's house for dinner. And it's like, man, these people care enough that they actually want to spend time with me and my family and my kids. Like, think about how good that feels. How it feels to be invited to something. Now, take a second and think about it. What, think about what it feels like when you don't get invited to something. What do you feel? It's pretty painful. You know, all your friends are going to hang out. You didn't get the invite. They're putting together this special subcommittee at your work and you didn't get the invite. What does it make you feel like? Makes you feel lonely? Makes you feel forgotten? Makes you feel maybe insecure, right? Makes you feel hurt, neglected, rejected, lost. Invitation is so powerful. It's important to recognize the power of invitation because when we talk about discipleship and we talk about community, Invitation is central to that. It's so powerful. How many of you guys listen to country music? Look around, those are the people going to heaven. <laughs> How many of you guys listen to Morgan Wallen? If you listen to country music and you don't listen to Morgan Wallen, you don't actually listen to country music, okay? <laughs> Just throw that out there. For those of you who don't know, Morgan Wallen is country music, okay? And uh, Morgan Wallen is going on tour and his tickets are like, boom, gone instantly. They cost like the price of your firstborn child. It's ridiculous how much they're charging for these things, right? He actually just put on like Instagram, was like, hey, I'm gonna do a free show in Nashville. Come get tickets. And the arena where he's having the show actually had to put out a message saying, please stop coming to get tickets. Like they're gone. It, they went out. He's like the biggest deal, right? Hardest thing to get tickets for, super expensive, the whole thing. Imagine if you had unlimited Morgan Wallen tickets, Right? Who would you invite? Everybody? Or would you keep them to yourself? Because I would be inviting everybody, okay? I'd be the creeper at the gas pump where like, I'm getting gas. I'm like peeking around I'm like, hey, you listen to Morgan Wallet? And they're like, oh my God, leave me alone, right? Or like at the grocery store, I'm like, hey, anybody in here? Check out on aisle three. Anybody in here listen to Morgan Wallet? I got tickets. Who wants tickets? I'd be invited. I'd be standing in the bathroom. What's up, man? You listen to Morgan Wallen? You know, he probably wouldn't come, but everybody else would probably accept the invitation. He'd be like, yeah, no, leave me alone, right? But if you had tickets to something, if you had access to something and you had a bunch of it, you would probably invite everybody. You'd probably be very liberal with your invitation and be excited to invite as many people as possible. I would invite all of you. I don't even know all of you. But if I had tickets, I'd be like, guys, I got these tickets and they're absolutely incredible. You should totally come with me to this concert because it is country music. It's great, Right? Invitation is so powerful. And listen, here's the deal. As Christ followers, our calling and our responsibility and our response to the Holy Spirit is to invite people to follow Jesus. It's in the fabric of who we're supposed to be becoming. It's in the fabric and in the DNA of what it means to be a Christ follower is to invite people to follow Jesus. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, his invitation was simple. The invite that he made to people was simple. He said this, follow me. Hey, come follow me. Some of the wording that he used, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
essentially what that means is, hey, listen, the trajectory of your life is going this way. You should pivot. You should change the direction in which you're traveling and you should come follow me. I know you're doing life your way. You should come do life my way. You should come hang out with me and spend time with me. Change the trajectory. Change the direction of your thinking, of your perspective, of your life. See, Jesus, when he spent his time here on earth, he spent it traveling in the region of Galilee, which is uh, the, the like fishing towns and port towns and little villages all around the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And he spent most of his time there. And that's where he did many of his teachings. That's where he did many of his healings and his miracles and all this. That's where he spent his time in his public ministry. And it's not a big region, right? It's, it's, it's actually kind of small. If you've been there, you, you, you've seen it. You can climb to the top of a mountain and see most of it. And so Jesus spent his time in this region. And anytime he met someone new, you know what he would say? He would meet them and he would come to them and he'd say, hey, listen, check it out. I got this really awesome healing that's about to happen. You should come see it. You should come hang out and watch me heal somebody. It's gonna be awesome. Or he would meet someone and he would say, hey, uh, check this out. So I'm gonna be doing a miracle in a couple days. You should totally come see this miracle. It's gonna be dope. The last one, I, like, I turned water into wine. So you know where this is going, right? It's a party. It's a vibe. Come see my miracles. I'm kind of a big deal, right? When Jesus met new people, he was like, hey guys, check this out. I'm working on this new mountainside TED Talk. I'm thinking like the Mount of Olives. Um, I, it's a working title, but I'm thinking Sermon on the Mount. What do you, how does it feel? How is the vibe on that? No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, come to this event. Hey, come to this service. Hey, come to this spectacle. Hey, come to this that's gonna draw your attention and keep your attention. Come to this thing that I've planned and I'm gonna manufacture and make happen. Come to all of this. Come on, come on. No, he doesn't say, what does he say? Hey, come follow me. Come walk with me. Come do life with me. I'm not inviting you to an event. I'm not inviting you to a service. I'm not inviting you to a group. I'm not inviting you to, I'm inviting you to come follow me, to come do life with me, to walk with me. Because the reality is the healings and the miracles and the teachings, guys, that was such a small fraction of the amount of time that Jesus spent on earth. Do you realize that? The largest teaching that we have recorded of Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through chapter seven. How long does it take you to read that? About 15 minutes? How long do you think it takes him to do a miracle? Hey, Lazarus, come forth. What, what, was that uh, 30 seconds? Think about it. What happened with all the rest of the time? What was happening between all of that? Well, it's a very mountainous, hilly region when they're, they're walking and traveling from city to city. They're stopping, they're fishing in the Sea of Galilee to get some food. There's late night fireside chats in the mountains as they're traveling between cities. Some of these places would take two, three, four days to get to. Some of them even a couple of weeks. What do you think's happening in all that time? Have you ever thought about it? That Jesus wasn't just miracles. He wasn't just healing. He wasn't just teaching. He was a dude walking through life with other people. And so when you talk about this invitation, you talk about this discipleship, you talk about community, Jesus says, follow me. Walk with me as I do life. And as you walk with him, you'll see the miracles. As you walk with him, you'll experience the healings. As you walk with him, you'll learn the teachings and you'll be transformed and you'll change and you'll gather all this. But that's not the destination. That's part of the journey. 
And I think for many of us, we've gotten it kind of twisted. And we think that the healing and the miracles and the, the teachings, that's the destination, but it's not. That's just part of the journey. The journey is the destination. The journey is what Jesus is inviting us to. The destination is discipleship. And where does discipleship happen? In the afternoon walks. Where does discipleship happen? In the late night fireside chats. Where does discipleship happen? While you're fishing for food, while you're cooking the food, while you're eating the food. In between the peak moments of ministry and all the, the great things, that's where discipleship happens, when you're doing life together. That's where community is experienced, when you're doing life together. And so when we're talking about community, listen, we can't underestimate the power of invitation. We can't underestimate how important invitation is. But here's the real question. What is the invitation? What are we inviting people to? What are we inviting them to do? What are we inviting them to be a part of? Are we inviting them to church? Are we inviting them to an event? Are we inviting them to a group or to a serve team? Like, is that the destination? I would suggest this, and I'm not discounting any of those things. I'm really not, because church is awesome. I love this place. And yesterday, man, this room was full of about 450 dudes for the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference that was absolutely incredible. Jim worked his tail off to make that happen. You're the man. Absolutely incredible. And I'm not discounting those things at all. I'm not side-eyeing those things at all, like, oh, yeah, man, that's not the move. No, 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 listen. That's just not the destination. That's part of the journey. So what's the invitation? The invitation is to come and do life with me as I do life with Jesus. We want to invite culture here at Kensington. We want to invite culture here at CT. The invite is come do life with me as I do life with Jesus. And it comes straight from the scriptures. It comes straight from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is this dude in the first century who started churches. He would start a church in a city and then he'd go to another city and start a church and then write letters back to all the previous churches that he started. And that's what makes up most of our New Testament. Most of our New Testament, like the you know, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, basically all the ones that end with the I-A-N-S, those are letters that Paul wrote to these churches. And so Paul wrote two letters that we have record of to the church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. At the, at the beginning of 1st Corinthians, in chapter one, verse 11, Paul instructs the Corinthian church, and he says this, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He's saying, I am sold out full force ahead following Jesus. You know what you need to do? You need to follow me as I'm following Jesus. You need to come do life the way I'm doing life. You need to pursue Jesus as I pursue Jesus. You see, discipleship and apprenticeship and this idea of community happens when we're doing life together, when we're pursuing Jesus together. The journey is the destination. Not the conferences, not the services, not the healings, not the baptisms. That's not the destination. The journey is the destination. The journey is the invitation. We're inviting people to journey with us with Jesus. And the thing is, that's how it was in the early church. We have the clearest snapshot of what the early church is in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. These are the people that started meeting together and following Jesus in the most pure form because they're the closest to when Jesus actually walked the earth, you know? Very little could get lost in translation in comparison to where we are now some 2,000 years later. 
And so we look to this portion of scripture that gives us the clearest insight of what the early church had going on. And so in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds, to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a group of people that are doing life together. You know, it starts off at the very top of this passage. It talks about what they devoted themselves to. It was four things. Two of the things are very spiritual. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. You know what the other two things were? Very communal. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So yeah, you know, they got all holy with it and they, you know, the apostles were teaching and then they would pray. But also, they were hanging out with each other. They were breaking bread and eating together and doing life together. It says together they had everything in common. They eliminated poverty within their people group because the people who had excess got rid of some of it to help those who had less. And they made sure nobody went without wanting. How do you do that? You do life together. You're sharing in your struggles. You're sharing in your abundance. You're walking the journey with one another. It says they met daily for two things. They met daily to be in the temple and they met daily to break bread in each other's homes. They hung out with one another. It was a journey. It was a process. They did life together. And this is a picture of people who are committed to doing life together. Real, authentic community. Journeying together. Listen, discipleship and journeying together is the destination. That's the goal. That's the goal of community. Is the journey. Is the process. Is doing life with one another. You know, I told you we went to the UP two weekends ago. And I told you who invited us. It was uh, Stevie T, who is the student ministries director here. But there's a picture up here of us in the UP. Go ahead and show that. That was the fastest you've ever shown a picture, ever. <laughs> Did you guys see that? Hope you guys caught it, okay? Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Mr. Whiskey back there playing jokes on us. Okay, so this is us at the ice caves. If you don't know Steve and Jackie, they're the ones, Steve's the one in the Budweiser jacket that says Steve on it. He found it at the thrift store and it said his name, so he had to buy it. If you don't know Steve, that jacket encapsulates everything you need to know about him, okay? And Steve and Jackie are there, and then my beautiful wife and I are on the other side. And then you got the, the folks, oh, zooming in, I like that, okay? So you see the two guys in the back. The guy on the left is Johnny, the guy on the right is Joey, okay? Steve met those guys when they were in middle school. There were these little middle school guys, shorter than he, Steve's standing on a rock, he's not really that tall, okay? All right, <laughs> you guys know Steve, he's, he's vertically challenged. He's an awesome guy, but he's vertically challenged. So he met the, but, but Joey and Johnny, listen, he met those dudes when they were smaller than he is. Met those little guys in middle school. And you know what Steve has done? He's journeyed with them in every phase of their life. 
He's journeyed with them over the years. Now, Johnny right there on the left, he's like some high exec job at Bank of America, I don't know, moving to North Carolina in a few months because he got some promotion or something. Dude on the right, Johnny, um, that's his fiance down below. But Johnny is like, he works as like a federal auditor or something. It's one of those jobs like he can't tell you the details because it's like clearance and all that stuff. Like these are like big boy jobs, right? These dudes have like advanced in life. And Steve is never gonna get to the point in their relationship where he's like, all right, did my job, they've arrived. They've gotten to the destination. I got them through middle school. I got them through high school. Got them with some big boy jobs. Got them starting their families. I'm done. Can check that off on my scorecard. I did great. No, that's not it. That's not it. There is no destination other than the journey. The whole idea is that Steve is discipling them for life. The journey is the destination. There's a guy that I've been doing life with for the last 15 years. His name is Will. You can go ahead and show the picture of Will. No judgment. This is circa 2010, okay? Everybody was wearing those hats in 2010, all right? Chill. Chill out a little bit, okay? That was a couple years after I met Will. Will was, um, I think I met Will when he was in like ninth grade or something like that. His dad passed when he was seven, and uh, he kind of had a, a, rough, a rough go. And so I began journeying with Will 15 years ago. And when Will got to like his young 20s, he kind of hit like a, a brick wall in advancement. I said, Will, man, hey, why don't you come up and live with us? So Will came up and lived with us for a few years um, with my wife and my kids. And we got Will to sort of figure out what he wanted to do with his life. He ended up going into the army, spent eight years in active duty in the army, came out as a sergeant, um, you know, was stationed over in Germany for a little while. He's, yeah, it's, he's absolutely incredible. Will uh, met this other girl that we were discipling named Sarah who lived with us as well different times, so chill out. Um, but they ended up getting married and starting a family. This past Monday, I got the call from Will. Hey, man, uh, my mom passed. And so I was on a plane Wednesday, went down there, down to Georgia, did the funeral Thursday morning, flew back Friday morning. I mean, this is a guy that I'm doing life with. He's woven into the fabric of our family for the past 15 years. My kids call him Uncle Will. There is no destination for Will. You know, I was moved to tears this last week seeing him and his two kids and his wife and seeing what both of them have made of their life and that, that my wife and I got to play just even a small part in that process and in that journey. The journey is the destination. I'm not done with Will and washing my hands saying, all right, cool, man, like my influence is done. He's arrived, there's a destination. He's married and got him through middle school and high school without hurting somebody or himself. Pat on the back, put that on my scorecard. no. The journey is the destination. We're gonna travel life with Will until there is no more life. That's it. The journey is the destination in discipleship. The journey is the destination in community. And so my question for you this morning is this. Who's your Johnny? Who's your Joey? Who's your Will? Who are the people that you've invited into the journey with you? Who are the people that you're discipling? Who are the people that you can look at them and say, hey, come follow me while I follow Jesus? Who are the people in your sphere of influence that you can say, come follow Jesus with me. Let's go do this thing together. Who have you invited into the journey? Because we need to be a people of invitation. Do we invite people to church? Absolutely. But why do we invite them to church? Not because that's the destination. We invite them to church because we go to church. And I'm going to church, so you should come to church with me. Let's go do this together, right? Do we invite people to join groups? Absolutely. But not because that group is the destination. 
That group is part of the journey. You invite them to the group because you go to the group and you love the group. And so come do life with me. Come to the group with me. Do we invite them to Iron Sharpens Iron? Absolutely. Not because Iron Sharpens Iron is a destination, but because we're going to Iron Sharpens Iron and we want them to come with us. Do we invite them to join a serve team? Absolutely. But because we're on a serve team and we're doing that with our life and we want them to come do that with their life with us. The journey is the destination, not church, not groups, not serve teams, not conferences. That's not the destination. The journey is the destination. Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. I would adapt that for us to say, come on, let's follow Jesus together. Just like the Morgan Wallen tickets, right? I'm telling everybody, come to Morgan Wallen, come to Morgan Wallen, come to Morgan Wallen. It should be the same way with us. Hey, I'm following Jesus, come follow Jesus with me. Hey, I'm going to this event, come to this event with me. Hey, I'm going to church, come to church with me. Hey, I'm going to this group on Tuesday night, come to this group with me. We can't underestimate the power of invitation. We can't underestimate the power of invitation in discipleship. We can't underestimate the power of invitation in community. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.